theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. Amen. Amen. Well, we're all familiar with the story of the ugly duckling. Uh, And if not, you can sit back. It's story time. Uh, A duck brooded on her nest. One large egg in her nest, though, was a misfit. It was much larger than her other eggs. She wasn't sure if it was hers or, frankly, how it even got there. The smaller eggs hatched first. The little duckling's eyes, the big egg suspiciously curious, puzzled perhaps. When it finally hatched, the emerging fowl was so large, so ungainly, the other ducks made fun of it, called it the ugly duckling, and eventually uh, their animosity and hatred drove it away. Alone on a pond, the ugly duckling saw beautiful birds with long white necks fly by. He thought, oh, how I wish I could join them. A long winter passed and somehow this ugly duckling survived. When the sun warmed the world, he stretched his wings and to his surprise, he felt strength he didn't know had been there before. After flapping his wings a while, he began to fly and soaring into the air, circling the area, he saw a lake with those same beautiful white birds. He thought, oh, perhaps I'll go settle there. They may run me off, but I'm so lonely. Being unrecognized and unappreciated by others prompted their criticism. Being unaware of his true identity, having no fixed mooring to which he could anchor his own self-worth, prompted him to internalize their view of him. Only when confronted with the image of who he really was did the swan realize who he was and what he was. There's so many different lessons from this childhood story, but the reality is none of them are easy to absorb. For every single one of us in this room and those watching online have had something or currently have something about ourselves we wish we could change. For some, it's an external thing, a nose too wide or flat, a receding chin or hairline. I don't know why they're laughing about the receding hairline, but that's neither here nor there. Praise God. Uh, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for others, it's a hidden flaw that emerges in a times of stress, loneliness, or rejection. We were told by others that we were unlovable, that we were unacceptable, and others' opinions have shaped us and molded us, and eventually what we've done is we've accepted their criticism, their judgment for God's. But can I tell you, you need to stop listening to what everybody else has to say about you. You need to stop listening to what the world has to say about you. And you need to know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh, if the child of God could just understand who they are in Jesus Christ, the peace that they would experience, the joy that they would experience, the depression that would flee. I'm trying to tell you, you're not what the enemy whispers in your ear. You're not what the criticizers say you are. I'm telling you, you are his you are loved and you are royalty if you believe that you ought to give God some praise if you know that you know who you are in him you ought to be thankful he's renewed your mind and rescued you from that condemnation he is
God. Praise God. I think one of the things that the church is wrestling with today is an identity crisis. We forget who we are. But can I tell you, if you would remind yourself, this is why I need you to hear me today. I'm preaching to somebody. This is why you have to renew your mind in the word of God. Can I, can I just pastor for a second? Some of us will never experience the extraordinary life that Jesus Christ has for us because we're too stinking carnal. I'm telling you in love, I'm not talking about being off in raucous, vile sin, but what I'm saying is you're too busy consuming everything that the world has got to offer. But we have to feast on the word of God. We have to feast in his presence. Stop feasting on the things of the world because they're only death. They're only decay. They will not help you. They'll only pollute you and bring toxicity into your life. But God, who wants to be the lifter of your head, pull you out of your mess and give you something new praise God that's what he wants for us today and we can't get that feasting on everything that the world has to say the world's message the world's values the world's visions what I'm telling you the world's information you have to begin to consume the word of the Lord and if you don't I'm, 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 I don't want to say I'm prophesying to somebody but can I just tell you what you the results will be, if you don't, you will accept what the world says about you as truth. I don't, don't, don't get it confused. If there's somebody right now even wrestling with identity issues, if you're wrestling with how you even see yourself right now, I'm telling you, you have got to renew your mind. I cannot tell you how important it is as a spiritual discipline to get into the word of the Lord, read the word of the Lord, and not only read the word of the Lord, but ingest the word of the Lord. Praise God. If I have anybody that loves the word of the Lord, clap your hands. <laughs> Praise God. People wonder, and I'm already kind of wandering a bit, if you will, but they wonder why I'm so passionate about no perfect people allowed. What I'm passionate about is authentic, transparent living in a church, a family, or a community. The reason why I'm so passionate about that, because I have seen disingenuous living. It's a facade. It's a facade that will only bring destruction and death to everything that you are connected to. I understand. See, this is why religion, I'm done with religion. But what I'm trying to get you to understand, God wants us in a relationship and not only in a relationship with him, but a relationship with others, people who can't get it together, people who have issues. Can I just tell you this? The more you get to know people, the more humanity you'll see in them. The more they will let you down, the more they will disappoint you, the more they will frustrate you. But that does not give us license to criticize or to judge or to condemn. The reality is this. Relationships are messy. Relationships are messy. And if you don't know, let me just tell you right now. We are all born broken. We all have issues. We all have challenges. Our, st our starting point, our starting point at Extraordinary Church is no perfect people allowed. And the reason we have to start here is that we all came from a broken family. Even if, I'm going to burst some of your bubbles, even if you came from a good Christian home, your parents were still broken. Even if they didn't separate or divorce, they're broken. We're born broken because we all come from the first broken family.
which is Adam and Eve. We all come from a broken family. This is why we say no perfect people allowed. And since we say no perfect people allowed, then there's no perfect families. There's no perfect single parents. There's no perfect teenagers. There's no perfect young adults. There's no perfect leaders, if you will. Allow me to translate no perfect people allowed. And this doesn't mean that we embrace an ungodly lifestyle. However, it acknowledges that we are all broken and we live in a fallen world. And when Adam and Eve fell, there is something that still affects humanity to this day. We all have a biological DNA uh, and uh, characteristics, if you will, and, and genetic markers from Adam and Eve. Yet we also got similar or the same, if you will, spiritual genetic markers from them too. See, I'm just thankful for the word of God because if you would just get into the word of God, not only is it the truth, but you know it tells the truth about people. This is why. This, you, you need to understand. See, the enemy never wants us to get into this. If he can keep you from getting into this, see, he's got, this is the first thing he did. When Adam and Eve received the word of the Lord, all he tried to do was distort it. This is his first thing he tries to do is to, uh, to convince you that the word of God has no value. To convince you that the word of God is out of date. To convince you that the word of God is not relevant. To convince you that the word of God is boring. To convince you that you won't understand it. This is why I'm trying to help somebody right now. These are all tactics from the enemy. But if you would just begin to refuse that and you would begin to read the word of the Lord and begin to pray, God, fan my flame of an appetite for the word of the Lord. Open my understanding that I might see and receive. All of a sudden, there would be a shift in your mind. The Bible says it in Ephesians, your eyes would be enlightened. That's what the Lord wants to do. See, it's true, and it tells the truth about people. Some of you would quit going around faking everybody out at the stakeout right now if you just got into the word of the Lord and realized, oh, David did mess up. Oh, Moses did mess up. Oh, Abraham did mess up. Oh, Peter did mess up. I don't have to be perfect, but, but instead you go around trying to wear this burden of perfection like you ain't never sinned a day in your life and you pray all the time and everything's peachy in your home when the reality of it is you fight in hell and you're wondering if even any of this is even real. But you wouldn't fake it. You wouldn't try to fake it if you would get in the word. You won't find one person in scripture that isn't broken except the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was broken for us. I'm trying to encourage someone today. Every individual, every family, every young lady, Esther, Ruth, Mary, Sarah, every Abraham, David, Peter, they were all flawed and broken. And today I want to share with you a few principles from a family that is broken. As a matter of fact, if you have any experience or exposure to Christianity, you have probably heard at least a little bit about this story. And for those who are a bit more seasoned, you're very well familiar with it. I want you to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. I'm going to read from verse 11. And it's okay if you don't have your Bible or your Bible app readily available. I'll be, it'll be out there on our screen as well, whichever way you're watching. 
But look at this, and I'm reading out of the New King James. The story that I want to read to you is the one about the prodigal son. Then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. Wow. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went, man, 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 I feel the Holy Ghost. That famine, many of us are dealing with that right now. This COVID is bringing upon a famine of sorts, if you will. The things that we used to feast upon are drying up and they're no longer readily available to us. Man, praise God. Look what happens here. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and despair and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe. God wants to give you the best. And put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. I want to preach to you today this simple thought. Search me, oh God. Search me, oh God. Now, there's a few things that leapt out at me when I read this story about the prodigal son in this context. And something inspired me to begin to share these things with you as I came across them. And I want to share them with you. There's a few stages here that we all go through in our walk with Jesus Christ. And my hope is that God will will be willing. You've heard me say this before. We cannot change what we're unwilling to confront. I want that to kind of be in the Put that in the parking lot of your mind. We cannot change what we're unwilling to confront. And so today is going to be a little treachy, if you will, kind of preachy, kind of teachy. But my hope is that this will be imparted into your spirit. The first stage that many of us deal with is the gimme's. Give me, give me. I'm just acting like I'm from gimme, 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 gimme. Notice, notice verse 12 of Luke chapter 15. And the younger of them said to his father, father, give me. Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them to his livelihood. In other words, what he was telling his father is right now, I want my inheritance. I I want you did. You're did to me. I no longer want anything to do with you. I'm not interested in being connected to you. Just give me what I want. Give me my stuff. Give me my stuff. Now, let me just say this. Uh, I, I do want it. This is where we all start. Every person, every baby, every human being, every spiritual baby, every marriage, every relationship, we all start with the gimmies. Now, let me just emphasize that anything in its infancy starts there with the gimmies. 
Every child starts there, every relationship. Though, as parents, you do hope your children will eventually one day outgrow the gimmies. Some of us are like, yes, praise God. Some of us got 23-year-olds still in the gimme stage. Sarah's laughing because she's got a 45-year-old, perhaps, still in the gimme stage. But we're not going to talk about that right now. (laughs) She said, talk about it, talk about it. Uh, But maybe you've never thought about this. We are born again, what the Bible says, and when we're born again, we're born as babies. And I want you to understand that God does not resent that we're in the gimme stage as spiritual babies. He doesn't resent this. Let me give you just a natural example. When we have, we have two amazing kids, at least I'm biased, and most parents probably think their kids are amazing. Uh, but you know what? When our firstborn was a newborn and she wanted a bottle, uh, I didn't resent her like, <clears throat> I always want something to eat. I was glad to get it for her. Sarah was glad to give it to her. Why? We expected nothing else. She was a newborn baby. In the same way, God's not upset with us when we start out in the gimme stage. If you think about it, most of us, even though clearly the goodness of God drew us, drew us to repentance, we knew we were in the gimme stage because we found ourselves in trouble that we wanted to get out of. We kind of like, I'm in a mess. I done tried everything else. Nothing else is working. God, bail me out. Give me this. Give me peace. Give me hope. Give me freedom, if you will. Clean up the mess that we've made. And I'm trying to tell you God's not upset about that. He understands. He wants us to grow up. He wants us to grow up, though. He didn't want us to stay there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Paul talks about this when he was talking to the Corinthian church. He said, dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. No, now, notice, notice, notice also because of their refusal or their inability to choose to grow up, notice what they missed out on. Did you catch the impartation that Paul wanted to deposit in them, but they could not receive it because he, he equated their spiritual immaturity to basically being worldly. There is a difference. I'm trying to help somebody right now. I just feel this in the Holy Ghost. At some point, I need you, I'm just going to say it. At some point, you do need to make a decision. Oftentimes, we minimize decisions for Christ, but you do need to make a decision and say, you know what? I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm not going to have that in my life. If you're going to mature, you need to make those decisions. You can't be impetulant. You can't be like a child. I want what I want. You can't straddle the fence. At some point, if you want to experience the extraordinary in Jesus Christ that he has for all of us, we're going to have to make a decision. Look at verse two. But here's what he says. I had to feed you with milk. Couldn't give you solid food. You aren't ready for anything stronger. (laughs) And you still aren't ready. See this transparent, authentic conversation that Paul is having with the Corinthian church? And then he says, for you, you want to know why you're not ready? For you're still controlled by your sinful nature. Jealous of one another. And you quarrel with each other. 
In other words, if there's quarrel amongst you, if there's jealousy amongst you, that's a sign of immaturity. If there's strife in a home and there's quarreling and you can't, let me help you out. If you can't be happy for somebody else, that's a sign of immaturity. But if you wonder that I should have gotten that job or I should have gotten that raise or why are they singing? I don't get to, no, 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 no. You're immature. He, he says, doesn't that prove, watch this, you are controlled by your sinful nature? And if so, then aren't you living like people of the world? Yeah, they are. You know why? They haven't made the decision. Can I tell you? You got to be careful what you watch. You got to be careful what you listen to. You got to be careful what you consume. You got to be careful who you hang out with. And you got to be careful. You have to make a decision to say, no, no, no. No, I'm not going down that road. Now, we need to grow up. Just let me just, let me just say this. Now, think about this in, in, a, marriage, in a marital context. Most, not most people get married exclusively for this reason, but they expect their needs to be met. There's a fabulous book by Dr. William Harley uh, called His Needs, Her Needs, and he shares a total of 10 needs, five of which he says a male would be looking for and five which a female would be looking for. And I tend to agree. I teach this book often when it comes to premarital counseling, but we've also done our fair share of marital counseling. And then Sarah and I have been married over 20 years and we're not candid, we're not, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We've been married long enough to realize that marriage is work. Praise God. Praise God. And you know what else uh, Sarah and I have realized? While God did design me, I want everybody to hear me, especially for, even if you aren't married, let me just help you to understand something. While God did design me to meet some of her needs and he designed her to meet some of my needs, she can't make me happy. And I can't make her happy. You have to understand there are some needs that only God can meet. So I'm trying to tell you, if you're looking for your spouse, if you're thinking one day your boo or your bae is going to completely, you're only going to be disappointed. This give me attitude, this give me spirit, this is what I'm talking about. You see it all throughout scripture. Let me show you another famous one that you all might be familiar with. Another instance of the gimme's, if you will. One of Jesus' disciples, actually Judas, who betrayed him. Look at Matthew 26, 14. Then one of the 12 called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priest and said, what are you willing to give me? What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought the opportunity to betray him. See, we all start at the gimme's. We all start at the gimme's. And isn't it interesting, if you don't choose to go on from the gimme's, where you could find yourself. It's cute right now. It's cute. You know what? When a toddler is uh, a toddler or maybe they're just learning to walk and their diaper is sagging and you know, it's hanging out or maybe they take their clothes off. You're like, yeah, it's cute. But it ain't cute when you're 20. It's cute when they, it's cute at three, at three years, nine months, 18 months. It's cute when they sleep all through the night and all through the day. It ain't cute when you're 15 and 20 and 25. 
I'm, I know I'm upsetting somebody today, but I'm just trying to help you. I'm trying to help you move on to maturity. I'm trying to help you grow up. You have to make some decisions. So the second stage, the first stage is gimme's. Y'all got that? What's the first stage? Gimme's. Second stage is use me. Use me. Let me show you. Okay. Now, I'm going to share something with you. There is a use me from a perspective that can be pure and uh, virtuous, if you will. But in most cases, it's not good. So in this case, when I'm talking about uh, using me, I'm talking about people wanting to uh, be seen as significant or important. This is the next stage that everybody goes to. Let me, let me, let me tell you. Let me show you uh, why. Because I want you to understand that use me uh, can be very selfish. Look at Philippians 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Selfish ambition. See, that's two words used in English, but in the Greek, it's one word. It's only one word in the New Testament. You'll find it seven times if you study this out. But here's the part that I want you to notice. The Bible talks about ambition and it puts the word selfish with it. Now watch this. Now, I, I want you to hear me because somebody's probably already thinking, well, is there a good type of ambition? And I'm just going to tell you, not according to the word. Because every time you study it out and you see ambition in the Bible, you'll see selfish with it. So there is no good ambition. I want you to let that sink in. Some of you are thinking right now, well, is it okay to have drive? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you need to have drive, but you need to have drive in the proper perspective. Let me explain uh, for a moment. There was a seminary professor who was, um, he was teaching and he spent a lot of time with these graduate students and they were ready for ministry. At least uh, he had hoped that was the case. All of them had performed remarkably well academically, but he wasn't sure if they got the attitude, the spirit of ministry because ministry is service. Ministry is not about getting out of boys and being seen and, 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 and the spotlight being on you. It's about serving others. If we're really going to be like Christ, he made himself of no reputation. So uh, what he decided to do on the final exam when they all studied and they studied diligently to take this, uh, he told them that this would be a pass or fail scenario. If you did well, then you would be able to graduate from that class. If not, you would have to take it over. And so everybody was prepared and ready. And before they began to file into the classroom, the seminary professor went outside. Uh, it was an outdoor campus, and uh, he left some trash right outside the classroom door. Went back in and had a seat at the, the desk and waiting for the students to come in. Everybody prepared for the test, and one by one, they all filed in and got situated and were talking with one another about how much they had prepared and studied, and they were ready for this exam to pass it. And so once they got settled and situated, he called the class to order, asked if everybody was ready for the exam. They were. He said, excuse me for just one moment. He went out, walked by everybody, looked outside the door, Looked down, trash was still there. Came back to the lectern, looked at everybody and said, you've all failed. Because they weren't doing it for the right reasons. 
Can I tell you, we have to make sure, we have to make sure that our heart is in the right place. It is not about me. It is not about me. It is all about him. Simon the magician dealt with this. You read it in Acts 8. You know what? I'm going to show you. These guys, Peter and John, are praying people through to the Holy Ghost. And you know what Simon the magician says? Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Do you think he was concerned about people receiving the Holy Spirit? He was concerned about people looking at him. Give me this power. Did you hear the gimme's? Did you hear the selfish ambition? Give me this power so that when I lay hands on people, they may receive the Holy Spirit. In other words, he wanted to be puffed up. He wanted to feel significant. He wanted to feel like he had power. Again, we, we, we do this. I could, I could do this all day long. Uh, but you know what? This is what happens in marriages. I'm going to make it real quick. But we go from the gimme stage to using people. And all of a sudden, when our spouse isn't meeting our needs, what do, marriage, what do married folks begin to do? They begin to look outside of the context of marriage. And this is where people get tripped up. I'm telling you all day long. I, I've been there all day long. I've sat down with people, and before we could even sit down and get started, they just open up. Well, they're not doing this for me, and they're not doing that for me, and they're taking this for me. You hear them? They're not meeting my needs. They're not meeting my needs. And we get to a point or a place where we're, we're in this use me state. Can I just tell you, happiness will never come from someone else or something. Happiness will only come from Jesus Christ. Watch this, Luke 15, 13. Luke 15, 13. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. See, this is what we do. This use me stage. When you go from the gimme's, you go to the use me's. You want to do whatever you can to make yourself happy. Ever you can to make yourself happy. You know what? <laughs> can I, let, me just help, let me just help the marriages out. I think Sarah and I, we were talking about this recently. And this thought came to mind. I remember too, when uh, Pastor Rashidi Collins, we were together. And I'll never forget that. Uh, he brought Sarah and I up and uh, it made me think about this. And I don't know if he said this, but I'm just going to put it out there. But can, let me just tell you, God did not, now I'm, I'm going to mess somebody up. God did not create marriage to make you happy. Some of y'all like it's working. You're like, yeah, we know. We know. We figured that out. We thought she was going to tell us something revelatory. You're like, we already know that. We already know that. Here's why God created marriage. Okay? Okay? Now, I want you to think about it. God created marriage. You ready for this? To kill you. Sarah's like, it's working. She's like, it is working. Send me to an early grave. She says she's going to take a lap. <laughs> Don't run. Oh, I'm going to run right with you. Praise God. Killing me softly. No, I'm just kidding. 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 <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. We're just having fun. Praise God. You got to have a little fun here at EC. 
No, no, no. In all seriousness, marriage, you know what the Lord said? He said, hey, okay. Uh, people look at this and they're like, see, I got to be with somebody. I got to be with somebody because uh, it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. And so let me tell you what the Lord decided to do. Uh, here's how, yes, he did create marriage to make you happy, but he created marriage so that you would have somebody who was your opposite. In other words, somebody that opposes you. Somebody that resists you. Somebody that the only way you're going to be happy is if you die out to self. <laughs> he knows that's it. And you're wondering right now, some of you all are frustrated right now. Can I just tell you? The man is frustrated because you got to die out to self. And the wife is frustrated because she got to die out to self. And if that doesn't fix it, guess what the Lord will do? Give you kids. <laughs> and, and if that won't take you out, <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> anyway, I got to tighten up. Help me, Jesus. Isabella, like, come on, Pastor. You can, so, all right, let me hurry up, because <laughs> that, that'll kill him for sure. If that, if that don't kill you, boy, if the spouse don't take you out, children will. No, I'm just kidding. I love my babies. I did say earlier, I've got great kids. Praise God. The next thing we do, and this is really what I want to focus on, and I'm trying to move at a pace here. The next thing, I want you to look at this. Look at verse 17. The third thing that we come to, and I see in this, is the search me. The search me. Now we're beginning to move into maturity. Notice when the change came to the prodigal son's life. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. Let me say it another way. When you begin to search your own heart, when he began to search himself, this is the way that the psalmist said it. The 139th Psalm, verse 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, know my anxieties, and see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. See, he's no longer focusing on himself. Uh, he's, he's no longer focusing on someone else, I should say, meeting his needs or something meeting his needs. It's no longer what's wrong with my spouse or what's wrong with my boo or my bae or what's wrong with my boss or what's wrong with my friends, what's wrong with my children. He began to search himself. See, when we start focusing on what's wrong with us, it's amazing how relationships will get fixed. I want to find what's wrong with me. If you really want to bless a relationship, if you really want to bless a friendship, if you really want to strengthen your marriage, if you really want to have a great connection with your kids, stop worrying about everybody else and worry about yourself. Let God take care of that one. Let God take care of whoever that is and you fix yourself. And so it is the process begins when we begin searching. And this is why we have to do so with brokenness, authenticity, a willingness to search yourself and allow God to begin to do so. I can remember, and I think I've shared this story before on a number of occasions here at EC, but we were youth pastors many moons ago and had a great time, and we were playing flashlight tag, which is a game that I'm not saying it's indigenous to Richmond, Virginia, but uh, when I mention it to other places, people are like, flashlight tag, what? 
Anyway, so we were playing flashlight tag. You basically go hide and you give people a bunch of spotlights and they try to find you. So we were at this high school campus, high school I graduated from, and uh, we probably had about 15, 20 kids at that point, and we just kind of hid. We just went camo, you know, and the point was there's one person that's it, and they're trying to find you. And I'll never forget this because we had hid, we had, I had hid really well. What I didn't know is that some of the kids who were trying to hide and, and others looking for those kids climbed on top of the building, uh, the school, and uh, they had flashlights running around. So uh, somebody called the cops and thought somebody was trying to break into the school or do something. So the cops show up uh, and they begin to just pick up all these kids that are running around hiding. Uh, from one of the flashlights and they're telling the police that they're playing a flashlight tag with their youth pastor. Well, you can imagine the police is not, the police, they were not convinced. And so they were like, call for him, find him. And they're like, you know, Pastor Akil, Pastor Akil. And I'm, I'm hiding really well because they don't see me and I'm looking at them, but I don't see the cops. And there, there's, you know, it's kind of like, I was thinking it was their plea for their desperate plea to be found, to find me because they could not find me. So I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. And they're like, the cops are here. And I'm like, tell me anything. I might have been born at night, but I wasn't born last night. Well, sure enough, the kids are telling the truth. And finally, the police, a couple of the police officers begin to go with the kids. And they're like, the police are here. The pastor killed police. And sure enough, I hear one of the policemen. Sir, this is the Haraiko County Police. And I'm like, oh, snap. I run out. I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they got the kids all lined up by the police cars and all this kind of stuff. But you know what? You know what? Just like they were diligently searching for me, that's how we ought to diligently search our hearts. That's what David said to the Lord. Search me, search me, try my faults. You know my heart. Search me, oh God. I really want to have purity on the inside. And then, you know what? Then you can move me a vessel fit for the master's use. In other words, let me say it like this. And I'm going to close. I want to move. I'm going to haste. But I'm, I'm going to get you this fourth one. But in other words, make me a servant to my spouse. Make me a servant to my family. Make me a servant to my church, to my community, to my friends. Lord, I wanted to show. I wanted to show. It showed in the prodigal son's life. Look, you know what? Let me, let, 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 watch this, watch this. The fourth stage, fourth stage is make me. And look at, look at uh, verse 19 of Luke 15. Look at what he said. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. The moment we get the attitude where God make me, created me a clean heart, renewing me a right spirit. See, it's, it's what God is trying to do. What God is trying to do is to transform us. Hope, some of, I almost titled this sermon, Made for This. Because we've gone through a process, hopefully, where we've denied ourselves. We've gotten out of the gimmies. We've gotten out of the, the use me's. And we've gotten to a point where, God, I see I see a lot of things in my life I don't like, and I'm going to have you two come. I see a lot of things in my life I don't like, and you know what? I need to address those things. 
all of us need to look at some of those things. Can I tell you, I can remember, I can remember I had a moment just as fr- frankly this past weekend, uh, might have been even Friday or Thursday, I could just impromptu, but the spirit of the Lord visited my family in, a, in what I consider to be a profound way. And I'll never forget this. I'll never forget it because I realized I had told them, I told them, I was talking with Sarah. I said, you know what, babe, we've got to make some changes. I feel like we're, we're feasting too much on the things of the world. I can feel the heaviness. And we began to posture ourselves and you can begin to play princess. Uh, we begin to posture ourselves to seek the Lord. I begin to tell Sarah, we're going to begin to do this on Monday and Tuesday. We're scheduling things out and we're talking through things. And, um, and then uh, I, 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 told, I told my kids, this is just me. I told you what I felt this past Sunday about some of the things we needed to do when we had Josh Resar with us. And I'm not suggesting anybody else needs to do this. If this blesses you, praise God. But I told my family, I said, we're, 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 we're fasting for a good little while. We're detoxing. I said, no secular entertainment, period, in the house. I, I don't want it. Now, don't get me wrong. We don't watch anything crazy. And I've recommended to you all before, we use a software called VidAngel. It's great. It's a wonderful subscription where you can scrub uh, almost any kind of content. Uh, and you can watch it and it'll omit you know all of the inappropriate stuff or whatever you want it to omit but the spirit behind that stuff is still there and I know this is unpopular and I know this nobody wants to hear this but as for me and my house we will serve the Lord and so I said you know what I know mom dad I'm not ripping Nickelodeon or Disney but it's not spirit of the Lord. It's not prompted by him. It's born of this world. And you might not realize it, but it's philosophies, it's values are being imparted into your home. It's creating an atmosphere. You might be wondering right now why somebody's having a tough time sleeping or dealing with some stuff. We have to deal with what we watch, what we take in. And just in a couple of days, in a couple of days, I can remember having an impromptu conversation with one of my children and all of a sudden, Spirit of the Lord began to deal with me. And here's what I did. You know what? I apologized. I apologized. Because I realized, you know what? You know why we're dealing with this? It's because I haven't led like I'm supposed to lead. And I'm not saying, I'm not giving myself an attaboy, but I was just like, you know what? I got down on my knees and I said, I'm sorry. And I began to invite all my family in and I began to repent in front of them. And I just, I felt like I dishonored them. As I begin to search myself, I feel the spirit of the Lord right now. And you know what? I want us to search. I'm telling you right now, God is going to heal for those who will allow him to shine the spotlight on areas in your lives that need to be addressed. Healing is going to begin to flow. This might be uncomfortable for some of you, but I want you just to begin to talk to the Lord. 
I want you to just to begin to repent. I want you to begin to write where you are. Uh, just begin to say, God, I'm sorry. God, forgive me. God, cleanse me. Some of us have been too critical. Some of us have been too harsh. Some of us have been too negative. Some of us have developed such a habit of negativity. We don't know how to say anything faith-filled or positive. Some of us have gotten relationships aligned where the only thing we have in common with is what we don't like. And let's get together and talk about what they said or what they did or how are they doing this. And listen, can I tell you, we need to repent of all of that. The Spirit of the Lord is here. Come on, let Him search you right now. We need to take inventory. We need to say, God, search my heart. Search my mind. If there be any wicked thing in me, reveal it to me, God. I repent of that thing. I don't want that in my life. If I'm listening to music that doesn't glorify you, I don't want that in my life. If I'm listening or watching entertainment that it, whew, that doesn't help, that doesn't edify my spirit, God, I repent of that. Come on, that's it. We're about to receive communion, but before we do, I want us to take a moment and find a place to repent. Father, in the name of Jesus, creating us a clean heart. Come on, those that are part of our live stream, I wish you just begin to cry out to God. I wish you begin to just cry out to him. God, I'm asking for a spirit of brokenness. We pray a spirit of brokenness to come upon your people in the name of Jesus. Wash us clean, God, creating us a clean heart and renewing us a right spirit. Mom, Dad, you might have to get down on your knees and repent. Come on, that's it. Some of you, you might have the time to be able to do it. You might be comfortable to do it. Would you get down on bended knees and just reveal your heart to your maker? Would you just begin to reveal your life to him? Would you begin to cry out to him? Come on, some of you just might want to gather your family around you and just say, come on, pray with me if you will. I'm sorry. I haven't been there for you like I need to. I've allowed myself to be distracted. I've allowed myself to be consumed with everything else, but you are my priority. Come on, that's it. Get with your spouse for a moment. I know you might have been running around and the kids are scrambling, but just speak peace for just a moment. Get your spouse around you, if you will, and get down on your knees together. Join hands. It might have been a while since you prayed together and repent over that. Come on, because the marriage that prays together will stay together. Tell them we're going to begin to pray together. We're going to begin to worship together. We're going to begin to get this thing right. God, help me search my heart. Come on, that's it. Repent. Say, I'm sorry for being so critical. I've been focused on everything that you did or didn't do, but I'm going to work on myself. I'm going to begin to let God work on me. And if God will work on me, we'll make it. We'll thrive because he's doing a work in me. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Come on, that's it. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.